My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Welcome to those of you online. Hello, hello. So if you got your Bibles, we're in... Uh, Mark chapter 13 today, Mark chapter 13. I have missed that, by the way, because for those of you that were here before COVID-19 began, many weeks it would take me 30, 45 seconds. I would just keep talking until like, oh, you realize I'm talking now. So, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. So um, welcome to everybody. Uh, so Mark chapter 13. And uh, we're going to be entering into, so we, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago when we began Mark chapter 13 and did the overview, but we're going to be entering into today the super dangerous, susceptible to guessing and uh, prospecting and um, all kinds of crazy stuff uh, section of Mark chapter 13. And I just, I just want to remind all of us that the break is on the left. Right? We, we don't have to mash the gas when we go through difficult texts. We can actually slow down um, and not guess, but rather see what the Bible actually says. So I'm excited about that today. I hope you are. Uh, so we're in Mark chapter 13. So the question we'll ask that we ask each week is what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? He is utterly adorable, and I am going to be distracted like 12 times today, and it's awesome. Please do not take him out, okay? <laughs> awesome. I'll go. Not because I'm trying to break the awkward silence, because I actually have something. Um, this particular text has been a great comfort to me, knowing that uh, whatever comes, and whenever it comes, and from wherever it comes, Jesus is faithful and knowledgeable and will be with us and has given us very clear direction on what to do. Um, and I think that is just spectacular because I don't know. I, I don't look at my Christianity like a job, but I'm going to use a job analogy for just a second. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a boss that was fuzzy with directions Kind of gave you an assignment. And it's like, well, I, are you, I think you want me to do like this thing, but I, it could be done 14 different What? That's not the way God rolls. <laughs> he is very specific with what we need. Um, you look in the old Testament the construction of the, the tabernacle. They needed a lot of specificity because those things mattered. They meant something. They were symbolic. They were pointing towards something. You look in the New Testament, and in Mark chapter 13, there's this endure, stay awake, pay attention. That's what we need. We have the exact level of specificity for what the challenge that is at hand. And I think that's just a wonderful comfort. Uh, so anybody else? What's God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? 
He's made a friend. <laughs> All right, let's read Mark chapter 13, and we'll jump right in. So good morning to Miss Nancy Miller, uh, Chris Arnold, and Ronnie and Beverly Gregg. Good morning, guys. Glad to have you all. So Mark chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of war and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard. For they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what were you to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father is child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, 
or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. When we get to that last section in Mark chapter 13, I'm secretly rooting for somebody to nod off in the middle of Sunday school. <clears throat> I just, this is like the sick, twisted part of the Sunday school teacher brain. So um, I'm required by Baptist law to make those kinds of jokes. Uh, Mitch showed me a, a picture that he got, uh, that he took this last week. He bought a stud finder from a convenience store, and all dads, all dads, are required by dad law when they have a stud finder in their hand to make that joke. So very similar concept for Sunday school. All right, so let's take a look. We'll start at verse uh, 14 today. Uh, the abomination of desolation. Like, way to set the tone for a happy, positive, feel-good message, right? <clears throat> the ESV really knows about those headers. <laughs> so verse 14. But when you... Pause. Who's the you? Who's he speaking to directly? Open books in the text. The disciples. Do we know which disciples? Is it all of them? Nope. Which ones? Peter, James, and John. And that's where my brain wants to stop every single time. But don't leave off Andrew. Like, he gets in there for, like, just squeaking in at the end, right? So, but when you, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, see the abomination of desolation. So, the abomination of desolation. Now, this is a word that when we in English hear that, hear this, we do not immediately go, oh, I know exactly what that's referring to. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on right here. Uh, this word, abomination, also shows up in Matthew 24, 15. So we're going to flip over to Matthew 24, 15 for just a second. <clears throat> so this is a parallel passage in Matthew's gospel. And one of the similar times when Matthew and Mark actually appear to have the same timeline, which is kind of cool. So Matthew 24, 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Does it sound like we're talking about the same types of things here? What's new in Matthew 24? Daniel. Does anybody have a footnote in their Bible? It says where in, because Daniel's kind of a lengthy little book. Where in Daniel are we headed next? So I use elect 924 is where we're going, by the way. Uh, I use electronic Bibles to study with and usually read out of one because I, I can just read easier off of this just feels right for some reason, right? Uh, and I can't ever find the little books of the Old Testament. So uh, there's my sticky note for Daniel 924 this morning. So. Yes, I had them all memorized at some point in my life. No, I don't remember them. So I've gotten spoiled with all kinds of fun stuff. So the section that this uh, little text is in is 70 weeks. So we'll start with verse 24 in Daniel 9. Work our way down for just a second. So 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares and moats and a moat, but in a troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. 
And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes a desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Now, if you heard me read that and you went, what in the everlasting? Yes, that's exactly right. We are not going to go into all of the context of Daniel, what timeline this may or might not be, what theological construct you ha- your hat you wear. I look at the whole thing through this lens or through this lens. We're not, we're not going through any of that. What I want you to know is that when Jesus says the words, abomination of desolation, good Bible students should have known what he was talking about. Were Peter, Andrew, James, no. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, there we go. I gotta do it in order, I'm gonna gonna add one. Uh, Were they good Bible students? From what we see in the Gospels, were they good Bible students? It's okay to be honest here. No, they really weren't, right? They were fishermen, right? Fishermen are not enrolled in rabbi school. Like those are two divergent paths for your life's work. So the closest thing we have in our American society is like vocational classes in high school, right? Which, praise God for vocational classes in high school who get people ready to go do the actual work that keeps our country moving. This is fantastic, right? We need people to do this work. That is one specific path. There would be another path if you wanted to be a preacher, right? What's that? Yes, like a magnet. There's gonna, we're going to focus here. We're going to go get uh, post, uh, post-high school education. You may get post-undergraduate education. You may, may get a seminary degree. There was a structure set up in Jewish life to do all that. They were not on that path. So early on in each one of the Gospels, we get a glimpse into what kind of people Jesus is looking for because he didn't go to rabbi school to pick his disciples. He went to the lake. <laughs> You're like, well... That seems encouraging for us. Yes, that's exactly right. Because <laughs> we're not the top of the echelon in our society. And that's not what Jesus needs. So, so a good Bible student would have heard abomination of desolation and immediately gone, this is Daniel, okay. The abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be. And then there's a little parenthetical. Let the reader understand. That's not talking about us reading Mark. That's still talking to Peter, James, John, and Andrew about what they should be aware of reading Daniel. Okay? This is, that little parenthetical has been driving me bonkers for a month and a half, knowing I got to get ready to teach through Mark chapter 13. Because I kept thinking, is he talking to us? Because we're reading? And no, 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 no. Put myself in the context and. Obviously, he's talking to Peter, John, uh, James, and Andrew. So let's go back to the abomination desolation. The abomination desolation standing where, and I have the word he highlighted on your handout, because there's no standalone Greek word for he. However, 
I learned something about Greek about two and a half weeks ago, and I got really, really excited about this. I was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, what was it, two Wednesday nights ago, babe? Something like that, two or three? Yeah. And um, made a comment about something, and then we have a a uh, post-teaching discussion with several of the teachers in the, the series and uh, they asked me a question about what, what about this or this in the original language? I said, well, I don't know. And Brian cocked his head and he went, what? Now, when, you're, when you say something and your preacher cocks his head, looks directly at you and says, what? I think I messed up. Now, what, do you, what do you mean? He's like, look at the verb. I pulled out the original, I looked at the verb. I was like, what am I looking for? He said, the end of the verb. I said, yeah, I know that's where all the plural and the, the tense and the mood and all that stuff is. He said, yeah, but that will tell you what subject should be a supplied in the English when there's not a subject supplied, what the gender of that is. Oh, that means that too. Yes, it does. So if you look at the verb, the verb for standing, that is a singular masculine Accusative, perfect, active participle. Now, the perfect means it's been completed. This is just work that's continued, but that's a masculine, which is why they put the word he in there. Even though there's not a word, there's not a Greek word for the word he in our uh, Greek translations of the Bible. Now, did anybody in here care anything about that at all? Okay, that's a hand and a half and a nod. Cool. That was a hand and a half and a nod more than I thought I'd get. I just wanted to share with you guys, I don't know all the rules about this stuff. I am still learning. I got so excited about this, I pulled up one of my Greek grammars, and I started going through it yesterday. I got through eight chapters of Mounts' uh, Basics of Biblical Greek yesterday. Now, I'm not focused on pronunciation, and I'm not memorizing words. I'm just looking about relationships, which is why I was able to go through eight chapters in one day. This is... He, Dr. Mounts would not consider that I had gone through eight chapters of his book. So if you're, if you're ever, which you're never going to listen to this, but I'm sorry. That's just not what I'm doing. So I have computer programs that look all this stuff up for me. I just want to know how they relate together and what do we do with that. So the abomination of desolation, standing where he ought not to be. So where is he standing? The Holy of Holies. That's right. How do we know that, Mitch? <laughs> remember when we talked about the? Um, remember when we talked about the uh, temple complex and where you could go and where you couldn't go? There was a court of the Gentiles. There was a court of women. There's a court of the Jews. There was a place where only the priests could go. The court of the Levites. <laughs> There was the, the actual holy of holies where the high priest could go on the day of atonement. There was one man who could go there one day to do one thing. right? One man, one day, one thing um, in one specific place. And what we see in the New Testament is that salvation is for all. It is to go everywhere. It is for everyone in every place, and it is for every day. So all of the restrictions that were on that specific activity are blown up in the New Testament, and it's just this glorious inclusion at the cross of Christ. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there was one spot where everybody knew you don't get to go. 
And that's where this guy is. And Daniel hints pretty strongly at this. The abomination shall come who makes desolate um, the sacrifices and the offerings. And there's all kinds of stuff we could go into, but he is standing in the place where he should not be. Right? So this is where he is. And then we get the let the reader understand. And Jesus, only, Jesus uses this word reader uh, three other times in Mark's gospel. And all three other times he's talking to the Pharisees or the scribes. And he's saying, have you not read? So this word has a very... I struggle with calling Jesus sarcastic, but he was. Um, is a very sarcastic tone in Mark's gospel up to this point. So he, he may be messing with them just a little bit here. And if he is, that's cool. And if he's not, I'm okay with that too. Then, so turn the page, 433. Then those who are in Judea. So let's just, let's quick reminder about where we are in the universe at this point. So this is Israel, it's Palestine. And uh, several different sections. So Jesus is right here on Mount Olives, looking at Jerusalem. And they are in the area of Judea. So this is in the immediate context. Because if he's standing where he ought not stand in Jerusalem, this is going to immediately impact the people that are immediately around that place. This is a very geography-focused thing that he's talking about. It's in that those who are in Judea flee... It's a plural, present, active imperative, a group activity that you are commanded to do. That's scary. Flee to the mountains. Now, what is around Judea? Mountains, yes. So this is, again, very geographically centered uh, directions. Flee to the mountains. Now, these next couple of words are not in the original, but almost all translations put them in to help make the original make sense, because Greek just assumes that you're going to take what we said before and apply it to the next part and take what we said before and apply it to the next part and take what we said before and apply it to the next part. That's just how the language works. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down. So why would you be on your housetop? So so, so somebody tell me why you would be on the roof of your house today. Yeah, something's wrong, and we're going to address it. Was that the scenario here? No, this is not just some random home improvement project Jesus is addressing. Well, if you happen to be fixing your roof, then no, 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 no. Why would you be on your roof? Anybody know? Flood problem? Something's going on down there that you don't want to be a part of. Okay, but in first century, why would you be on your roof? Yes. Yes, this is their deck, right? This is the, the private area, public area, gathering. You do stuff. This is a place you normally kind of went. Um, you didn't waste a lot of real estate, right? Because you didn't have a lot of real estate. Like this, is, this is important stuff. Yes, ma'am. Didn't Rahab hide the spies on their... I don't remember. It has been a hot minute since I read the story of Rahab. I will... Yes. Yes. It, it is. Uh, back when we, <laughs> this is going to be a bit harsh, back when we cared about community, um, we would go and engage with each other, right? And we would typically do this on front porches. 
Um, the same type of a concept was true for housetops. So if you happen to be up there, so if you're, that those are in Judea, flee to the mountains. If you're on the housetop, don't go down and enter your house. Go out the back way, get to the mountains. Don't go to take anything. So if you, <laughs> the modern equivalent of this is don't go grab your go bag, right? Just go, leave. Um, and then verse 16, and the words again, let the one who, they're not in the original. Uh, if you're in the field, so what would you be doing in the field? Like, I, I don't hang out in fields, guys. That's not my, yeah, if you're planting, or if you're harvesting, if you're gathering, if you're working in the field, because the entire economy was based around agriculture, right? Whether it was a sea agriculture or a land agriculture, it was all about, we just need food. The whole thing needs to be set up so that we can all eat. This is a fundamental uh, job of this society. So if you're in the field, if you're out working, don't turn back to take your cloak. Like, don't head home and grab something. No, 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 just go. Head to the mountains. And alas, and this is a, um, this, I, don't, I don't know what your word is for the, oh, this is bad. But this is Jesus' word for, oh, this is bad, this woe. Um, he uses it one more time later on in uh, Mark 14:21. Woe for, and the word women and who are not in the original, woe for if you are in pregnant. And there's not a Greek word for pregnant, which seems like a real miss that you just kind of have a word for that since it's kind of basic. But there's two words, uh, gaster, which means the stomach, and uh, echo, which means to hold. And if you can't put those two together, I can't help you. So this is to hold in the stomach, right? Uh, and it's a present active participle. So you've been holding in the stomach for a hot minute. And if, uh, as I have been told several times, uh, by the time you give birth to a child, you feel like, like we're done. This is ready to, ready to do something else at this point, right? So uh, alas or woe for women who are pregnant and, and again, the for those who are, not really there, uh, nursing infants in those days. And do you, do you see how this would be a real challenge? So if you, think about, if you think about there is some emergency that is declared right now, and we all immediately have to head west. Like right now, go west. You do not have time to go home. It is that big of a deal. Do, yes, that's exactly right. It would be basically Sequoia. Something went wrong at Sequoia. Please, dear God. Um, this is the reason we ha I'm not going to get into that. It's a safe place. Um, the, uh, the reality is, would anybody be tempted? Yeah, but I need to run back. Like, just be honest. Would you want to? There's stuff there that I'd like to get. Like, this is a real in intellectual and emotional tug that... Virtually everybody's going to want to, like, yeah, I want to go grab something. I mean, some of your eyes right now are getting really big, like, yes. Do you not know what I have at my house? I have no idea what you have at your house. But it's probably crap that you like, the, like I like the crap at my house. And I'd want to go grab some of it. So there you go. So, so what does Jesus tell us to do? Or tell, them, tell these four guys to do? Verse 18, what does he tell them to do? Pray. Pray. <laughs> I love it. And not just you go and in your individual quiet time pray. 
No, no, no. This is a plural imperative. This is a group activity. Pray that, in order that, it may not happen. This is subjunctive, this possibility, in winter. Now, why would it be bad in winter? <laughs> yes. If you're going up to the mountains, is it colder or warmer in the mountains? It's definitely going to be colder in the mountains. I'm not grabbing my supplies. I don't have my go bag. I'm just going to go. And oh, by the way, some of you might be carrying little infants. I don't want to put you on the spot here, guys, but I mean, like, that's awful concept. Like, just, we're going to go west. No bottles, no diapers, no towel. What? I forget else what you need. You need a billion wipes, is all I remember. It's just, you have to have wipes everywhere. <laughs> just everywhere. Yes, Dave. That's right. So that's the separation in God then, where, you know, in, in, in the point, you know, to the point where, you know, everything I do all day long, every day, has to do with time. Like, it revolves around time. Has to do with time? Yeah. Okay. Has to do with time. Yeah. Yes, okay. It, 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 you know, when is this going to happen? <laughs> I have to start this because then it's going to be done by, you yeah. know. So, and Jesus just doesn't, he just doesn't know anything. Yeah, I would agree with everything you said, you said except the part he doesn't care. Well, I would actually, I, I, where, I was, where I was about to go is I think that when he says pray that it doesn't happen in winter yeah. is him showing I care about you and I hope this actually doesn't happen right. to you in winter. Right. Uh, but he is not, I, I th- I'll, I'll try to say back what I think to you, what you were saying. He is not concerned, anxious, have anxiety about the not knowing right. when, right? Absolutely. Exactly. But he does care and love for these guys that are sitting right in front of him. And that's beautiful. Even though they are just like us, blazing idiots, right? And just are not going to get it. They totally don't get the whole, they, they literally don't get almost any of this until after the resurrection. And, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, oh. But he said, oh. And I... I Studying the Gospels has helped me understand, I think, why they just hung out in Jerusalem because it was obedience to Jesus. They had a lot of stuff to talk about. You remember when he said this? That happened. Remember when he said this? That happened. He said this, but that hasn't happened yet. Well, if all that other stuff happened, what about these things that, oh, he really was this level of trustworthy. What in the world? It's amazing. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. Jesus doesn't know the time, but he knows his father. And he loves and knows and has faith and trusts in his father. Well, I just, that's just fantastic right there. And what an example for us, right? That is beautiful. That is beautiful.
like specifically Mark chapter 13? Well, that would be awful for wedding planners. <laughs> the father of the groom is the only one that knows when the wedding takes place. See, the organization part of me just says that is a bad design. Like, that is just spectacularly bad design. But... Okay, right. That's pretty neat. When she, when she said the son had full trust in the father, same thing there. Yeah. It could be up to a year before the wedding took place. So you're just hanging out on pause for a year. Waiting for your father to say, son. Well, in the whole time, the son is preparing the father's house for his bride. And so it's just like, oh. That's pretty cool. Well, I think we will stop there. How's that? So I've got uh, the end of verse 18 we got through. Start here. I'm trying to remember to make a note where we end. Otherwise, I will not remember. And this is the way this works. So, uh, so a couple of things real quick. Uh, if you look at the very last page of your handout... I don't talk about this every week, but I try to get to it every couple of weeks. There's a homework section. So next week we'll pick up with verse 19. But our homework every week is to pray for help in understanding Mark, hearing Mark multiple times, thinking about Mark often, day and night, talking with somebody, dead or alive, about Mark. If you have questions about that, I'm happy to help. Um, Sharing your insights about Mark and then inviting a member and a non-member. And all the resources that we have in class are in OurSundaySchool.com. So you should have a weekly update at your table, because I put them there. If you don't, then somebody's a turkey. Um, but uh, if you will put your names down at the bottom. Sorry, I got the head, I got the head cock. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, make sure your names are at the bottom, uh, even little ones, because they're people too. And uh, any prayer requests you have or any prayer requests you need to update, please make those. That would be great. Uh, for those of you online with us, if you will... Put in the comments any prayer requests you have. That'd be awesome. We'd love to pray for those. And uh, after you guys have prayed as a table, you are free to go in and to worship. This one who knows and cares, and even when he doesn't know, still cares for us. It's a beautiful thing. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.